I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Galatians chapter 3, I think it's around page 972 if you're in the Blue Pew Bible. Right there at the beginning, we'll be looking at the first five uh, verses. You know, it's a it's a question that we all need to answer. How can God accept me? And there's a real sense, as we saw earlier in Romans chapter ten, that the answer is very simple and it's very personal. Only if I trust in Christ. And so that's, the, that's the, the, the truth or the doctrine that we've been dealing with in Paul's letter to the Galatians uh, really all the way through. It, it, we, we call it the doctrine of justification by faith alone. You can add in Christ alone. And again and again as we've uh, talked about that uh, and, and gone through this series, We've emphasized how important it is to have the right answer to that question and how many ways we can end up thinking we've got the right answer. But in truth, we don't and we miss it all together. Uh, it, it does seem so simple, doesn't it? Faith, believe. Yet there is a problem that makes justification by faith alone unattractive to us a problem that stands in our way that can cause us to try to answer it in a different way. And here's the problem, that when you live your life in that way, trusting fully in God, uh, here's what it means. It means that God gets all the glory, and you don't. Because there's nothing there for you to get glory from, because you didn't do anything to contribute to your Salvation. Now, that's something we, in our sinful hearts, we don't like because we want to take glory for ourselves. We want recognition. We want to show what we are capable of. And we also want to show what we've done and say, well, this is, this is worth something, isn't it? But the answer is uh, no. And so what we need is to be able to see through a right lens so that we can see ourselves in a right way, so that we can see ourselves truly, and see God truly for who He is. And then, through that, we can see our way to day after day, responding by faith alone. I, I just want to remind you, as we look at this, many would hear that, that question, uh, how can God accept me? And you might immediately think, well, that's a past thing. It's, 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 it's done, you know, faith, by faith alone. That, that's well, recognize who Paul is writing to here. He's, he's writing to those in a church uh, or in churches that he planted. Uh, those who, it seems, many have come to faith in Christ, but they've taken a step back. And now they've begun to add something else to their faith. And so that should be a reminder to us that that's not just something of the past. We're dealing with something that is present, whether you have never trusted in Christ, and you know you haven't, or you have, 
yet you need to every day because that temptation is always there to fall back. Now we do know that we'll never, if we've truly trusted in Christ, we'll never fall away, we'll never fall back com completely, uh, and yet this is given to us that we might uh, continue forward. Now just a couple of comments about where we are uh, in this letter, Paul's audience, Again, churches that he had planted just a, a short time before, a couple of years before. Uh, and these, these churches have been exposed by this group that we call the Judaizers. They've been exposed to a teaching that says that there are certain works that you must do. Think activities. Uh, there are things that you must do. Paul calls them works of the law. And if you do not do them, then you can't really feel good about yourself. You, you, can't, you can't know that God will accept you and that we as a group will accept you as well. And so the people fell for this teaching. And that's, that's why Paul is writing. And, and we can understand why, because it is attractive. Uh, they, they, they said, if you do this, well, you'll be part of the in crowd. And others will will look at you and they, they will say, well, you're in the right place. You're, you're, you're good. And inside they would feel good and they would feel accomplished. Maybe that sounds familiar to some here. Uh, that, that need to, uh, to, to gain the way I, I feel inside about myself by what I do. Yet, Paul responds in this letter by saying, that's impossible. There is nothing that you can do to earn your acceptance before God. And so what you've done instead is you've departed from the gospel, the true gospel that I brought to you and that I shared amongst you. Uh, you've left it. And so for the first two chapters, what he's doing is he's showing them out of his own life uh, that he was designated by God as an apostle to, to bring the true gospel to them. And that gospel is that we are made right before God only by faith. And so he's, he's proving that out of his own life. Uh, he authenticates himself. And then beginning in chapter 3, which is where we are, right at the beginning of chapter 3, he continues to point them down the same path. Uh, justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. But now for the next two chapters, he's taking them back to the basics. And you know how we do that when somebody has departed from the the, the path, and, and we've counseled them uh, to come back. Part of what we often do is, is you know, we, we start off with them uh, by saying, you know, here's how you got to walk. <laughs> you need to learn to walk again. You need to remember the basics. And it's very helpful for us because this is really theology 101, you might say. Uh, our relationship with the Lord God, who He is and who we are, and we're going back to the basics. And so that's what we have as we begin in, in Galatians 3, uh, verses 1 to 5. But notice, as I begin to read these words, you'll notice immediately that it's not just a classroom environment <laughs> that Paul brings. So listen to the way Paul is writing to them. And, and remember, this is a letter. So I'll begin, Galatians chapter 5, just read the first five verses. This is God's Word. Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. 
Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that as we open up your word to Galatians, to chapter 3, that we can know that this is not just something of the past. Uh, This is not just something that, that is... Uh, intellectual that we need to learn but that you have brought to us something that we need today there's a warning in this text there's an encouragement uh, in this text as well there is a right direction that's given to us in the midst of our lives and so I pray Father that you would help us to see that and to hear that to take it in uh, and, and, and therefore to be able to, to walk with you, to know you, to be used by you in the ways that you uh, call us to. Uh, we thank you for this word, and we pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Proverbs 27, uh, verses 5 and 6 say this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That, that proverb is speaking about the, the great value of having someone in your life, having someone in, in my life who loves you enough to confront you directly. Uh, when you've done something, maybe it's a serious error in your judgment so that you need to be brought back around. This is speaking about Uh, having someone there to do that. Now, maybe you've experienced a a rebuke like that in your life before. It may have come from a friend. It may have come from a mentor of some kind, from a parent, uh, from someone in the the church uh, at some point in your life. Well, here's what Paul said in a letter to, and I'll remind you, this is to people that he loves. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, can, can you imagine getting that in a letter? Uh, and, and perhaps you have. Uh, we can see here that Paul is, is passionate. We can see that Paul is he's angry. But we see very quickly the reason that he is acting in this way. And, and as I read these words, this, this is almost said, I think, in, in a sense of disbelief. He says, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, what does he mean by that? It was before your eyes. These people in the Galatian churches, they're mostly Gentiles, we we know, but they wouldn't have been around when Jesus was, was crucified. They wouldn't have seen that. Uh... And so we have to ask the question, well, what's he talking about? That uh, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as cru- cru- crucified. You know, what 
it's pretty clear, most uh, commentators agree on this, that he's, he's speaking about the eyes of faith. That through Paul's preaching to them, when he preached the gospel to them, and he began the church, and they, they began in their walk with the Lord, that they were able to see in their mind's eye the Lord Jesus Christ bloody upon the cross. The Son of God for them. And so then, think, they, they hear that, they see that, they, they know Christ in they, that sense, they, they, they turn to Him by faith. And faith alone, and then, at some point later, they turn around, they disregard everything that Christ has done, and they try to substitute in their own works to make themselves right with God. Yeah, what Paul's saying here is it makes no sense. And ultimately, it is impossible. And so we can see here the reason for his rebuke toward them. They had seen the gospel with such great clarity. Christ crucified for you. But now, it's as if they've been, they've been charmed away. He, he, he says, who has bewitched you? The word that he uses there, it, it, it actually has demonic undertones. Uh, as if this isn't just a, a, a people that have gone after some wrong teaching, just need to be brought back. But, but there's something greater at work here. Satan is at work in pulling you away. Who has bewitched you? And so he rebukes them. Now, of course, we've got to recognize that you and I are susceptible to the same. It may be or it may not be from that kind of, of teaching within the, the church. Uh, but certainly there are temptations all around us. There's a whole world that this is their theology, that it's by works. And there is a large contingent of the church that says, yes, official teaching. This is how we are made right before God. There's faith. But then you've got to add to it uh, that which is from your self. Uh, and therefore, we're very capable of falling into this pattern of depending upon works so that if, if you're not doing things, if you're not contributing, if you're not helping out, uh, then you, you can't have that sense of well-being inside especially a well-being together with God. Uh, now, for some, some might experience this in terms of an, a constant sense of unworthiness inside that's almost always there. It's like we can never do enough to make ourselves worthy. But the Gospel of Jesus Christ says it's true. You can't do enough. You can never make yourself truly acceptable. The, the law itself, as we try to, to do good, as we try to do better, the law itself only does one thing. It, it, it makes us recognize more and more our unworthiness. It points out our sin. You know, Romans chapter 3, Paul says this, and he's quoting out of the Old Testament. We see it all the way through. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. 
No one does good, not even one. Now, you may hear that, and you may strike against that. Uh, please recognize it's not saying there aren't good works out there that are done, but none do good works in the sense that, that gains them any sort of a standing before the Lord God. Nothing that justifies. So therefore the question, why would you go back to relying upon works? You know, Paul says that only the finished work of Jesus Christ atones for your sin. Uh, look, at, look at what uh, Paul says again in, in the passage. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, I preached the gospel to you. You had the truth. Uh, you knew that that was the only way by looking to what Christ has done, looking to Him, and then continuing forward, trusting, trusting in Him. That is love. Christ sacrificing. And then... When you turn by faith, it's applied to you, the righteousness of Christ. Faith takes us from a place of unworthiness to a place of full acceptance. And so you think about it, what foolish people we are capable of being. If, if, if you go to looking at your own works and not looking to Christ, not trusting in Him, then you need this word, you need this statement, this rebuke uh, directly to you, just like Paul displays here. He's saying, look to Christ. He is the only one by whom we can be saved. Uh, you'll notice here that, that Paul doesn't just stop here, even though this is, this is the central uh, theme that he's getting to. It's by faith alone. But he doesn't just stop here with a rebuke. He loves these people, and so he appeals to them personally, saying, think about what you've experienced spiritually. Uh, and so he's got a whole bunch of questions here about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit's work in their lives. And, and he wants them to think through this so that it will be made plain to them that we are not justified by works at all, but by faith alone. And there are two aspects of their experience here that I'd like for us to, to look at. First of all, he says, remember that you've begun by the Spirit. You've begun by the Spirit. And secondly, now, daily, you must live by the Spirit. So there is something that's past here, and then there's something that is present. And so Paul, uh, first off, wants to make this very important point that if you have received the Holy Spirit, then there's something that follows on. Then you have experienced the work of the Spirit. You've experienced the presence of the, Spirit, of the Spirit. And that should be proof positive in your life that you're not justified by works. There's nothing that can improve your standing before God. You've received it all. And so Paul, what he does here, he points back in time to the beginning of these believers' walk uh, with the Lord to their moment of conversion. And he says, if you look at, at verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this, 
Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The key words there. Did you receive, past tense, did you receive the Spirit? Now, in, in this whole line of questioning that follows, Paul is making an assumption here. He's making the assumption that if the Galatians individually, if they were true believers, that there is no way that they could possibly deny the presence of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in their lives. And I, I think this is important for us to stop for a moment and recognize uh, that the, the Spirit works in a particular way. And, and we will, if we are, are believers, if we truly have come to faith in Christ, there's something very real that has, has happened inside of us. Uh, we talk about the indwelling of the Spirit. We have received the Spirit, uh, and we are able, therefore, to look at that work that is done within us and to know certain things through our experience. Uh, we need to ask ourselves, is this me? Uh, do I, I know Him experientially? Now, there are a couple of reasons here, I think, that Paul uh, could make this assumption. Uh, first of all, very simply, uh, we were talking about this in the adult Sunday school class this morning, that every believer today will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, the, the, the two are absolutely connected. If you're a believer, you will experience the work of the Holy Spirit. You will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Ever since the time of Pentecost, uh, Acts chapter 2, this has been the case, that every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that work, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, will produce an inward change in your life and in your experience, a significant change. Now, we read about that earlier in Ezekiel. And remember, I said there it's looking forward to the new covenant, to this time uh, when the Spirit will be poured out. Uh, and then as we get into the New Testament time frame, we can, we can see how that happens. Uh, we can see the changes as they manifest themselves. But think about what it said back in Ezekiel that would happen uh, you will have a new heart and a new sp spirit will be given to you. And it actually talked about you, you will begin to, to, to be aligned differently. You will think differently. Uh, you will have a different orientation. You will begin to desire the things of God in a brand new way. And your old things will more and more be set aside. Now, that's a significant change. That's a change that can't be missed. Now, we've got to point out that we can't see the Spirit outwardly. Wouldn't that be nice if you could just walk around and, and look, and on somebody's forehead would be stamped, sanctified by God. Now, actually, that wouldn't be good, because we'd be full of pride then if we had it stamped on our forehead, Right? But that's not the way that God has worked. In fact, that's what, that's what in, uh, in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, uh, and he said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven, he goes on to talk about the need for the Spirit to be at work 
uh, in a person. But you know the, the illustration that he uses for that? He uses the illustration of the wind. And he says, rightfully so, you can't see the wind, right? And he's saying you can't see the Spirit. I can't see the Spirit inside of myself. I can't see it in other people. But why did he use the example of the wind? Have you ever heard of people talk about the wind uh, on a daily basis? Uh, as if they were able to see the wind. Boy, the wind's strong today. What are they talking about? Can they really see the wind? No. But what can they see? They see the effects of the wind. And the same, Jesus was saying, is true of the Holy Spirit. You can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is bringing out here through this this question to the Galatians. He knows that they, and I'll use that word loosely because perhaps it's some of them, uh, had come under the regenerating influence of the Holy Spirit, that they had, they had received the Spirit, they had experienced the Spirit, they had experienced the gifts of the Spirit, the, the gifts that the Lord uh, gives for ministry, which comes from the Spirit. And they had begun to use them in the body. Uh, gifts like teaching. Uh, for them, gifts like prophecy as well. They, they also had begun to experience, and, and, and maybe it wasn't real far along, but they had begun to see that, that change that takes place, the, the fruit that the Spirit manifests in a person's life. We're actually going to be reading about that later here in the book of Galatians. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on and on. The, the, this fruit, and that's a significant change in the life of a person. They begin to desire certain things that they didn't desire before. They begin to put things together and understand certain things. They had a change of affections and on and on. The point being, they knew this work and this presence of the Spirit. And when you've experienced it, it's undeniable. Now, we can quench the Spirit through our our sin. Uh, We can fail to see the work of the Spirit. But when there is a change like that that takes place, it's a true change. And it will come forth uh, in your life. And so here's the question that Paul is posing to them. When this, happened to, when this happened in the past to you, when you received the Holy Spirit, was it by works of the law? Or was it by hearing with faith? Now remember... Works of the law is where I am myself doing these works, accomplishing the law, being, being right and good in and of myself. This is me doing it. But what is hearing with faith? It's simply me looking to Christ. It's all Him. And so how have you received the Spirit? Now, Paul means for this to be uh, obvious to them. Was it through your own achievement that you received the Holy Spirit? Or was it purely from God because you are incapable of doing anything that makes you worthy? You know, if you had known the presence and work of the Spirit in your life, how could you ever think that you yourself deserved it and, and earned it, uh, that it was your doing? It's, it's ludicrous. And that's what Paul wants these people and wants us to think through uh, that, that, that we need to have a recognition 
in coming to faith, the only way I can come to faith is knowing my own poverty, my own inability. Uh, that when I first approached God, I was unable, I was unworthy. But then He also wants these people to recognize and be amazed at the greatness of the gift that has come to them through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit who has taken us from death to life. Uh, the Holy Spirit who has applied the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to us uh, that we might know forgiveness. Uh, the Holy Spirit who has resuscitated us and given us eyes by which we can see our Savior and know who our Savior is. Uh, he has infused our lives with power that we are able to overcome the works of the evil one. And He is able to give us that sense of security, true security, that there is a hope that lies ahead of us, a hope that will never perish, spoil, or fade, a hope that's kept in heaven for you who by faith continue forward. You see how He's presenting a picture that asks that just begs the question, how could you ever think that any of this was your own doing? So think back. Think back to what has happened in the receiving of that gift of the Spirit and allow this to encourage you and to see in a right way that you can't continue on by works of the law, but only by faith. And really, that's the, the, the second item here that you must continue on by the Spirit. You must live by the Spirit daily. You know, once we've come to see the first part, once we've come to see that when we began our Christian walk, that we received the Spirit and we only came to the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting in Him. Once we've seen that, we've acknowledged that, then everything else should fall into place, right? Because we, it should be clear to us that we can't go back now, that we must continue on by faith. And that's, that's what Paul is relying upon here. And so he, he says in verse 3, he starts off with another rebuke, and he said, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, that's what we've been talking about, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, are you now trying to make yourself perfect, presentable to God through your own sinful efforts? Now, that's what the Galatians were guilty of doing right there. Of saying, I was justified in the beginning. I believed on Christ. But now, they were going back and they were trying to, to add to it their own works so that before God, they were able to have merit there. To say, I, I'm able to, to be with God, to be presentable to God because of the things now that I have done. But what, what's Paul saying here? It's that only God can complete what God began. So faith is, is needed Daily, So every, every bit as much that faith was needed at the beginning, every day today, that same faith is needed. Now there's a passage that 
states this pretty clearly, a pretty well-known passage, Philippians 1, 6, that says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, in other words, to, to, to finalization, to perfection, in the day of Christ Jesus. But notice, he says, He will bring it to completion. You know, we can have a tendency to, to believe that the, the gospel was back here. Uh, the gospel, I, I believed, I trusted in Christ, I realized who He was. I, I did it now. I'm living my life. Uh, I, I am moving forward. But the, the truth is that we are no more capable today than we were back then. That we are no more worthy in and of ourselves today than we were back then. Now, that's not to say that we aren't to do good works. Yet, the good works that we, we do, we do it out of a knowledge of who Christ is, out of a love for Christ. It's not because we have to. It's not because we want to earn some sort of standing. Therefore, as we do those works, we shouldn't be feeling inside like, ah, I've got to do one more. I've got to do another. I, I'm, I'm not feeling quite there. No. We, we do these works out of what God has done inside of us. And therefore, we have, we have passages like Ephesians chapter 2, that after talking about uh, what has come to us by faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, uh, it's going to say in, in, in verse 10 out of chapter 2, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are good works, but they're not done in order that we gain any kind of standing before God or before man. Uh, and uh, that is a key to remember. I, I want to follow up on one more thing that, that Paul says back in, in our passage. This is verse 4 of chapter 3. Paul says to them, and again, almost with a disbelieving voice, Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain... Does he who supplied the Spirit to you and works miracles among you uh, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you suffer so many things in vain? Now, when Paul's talking about suffering here, he's probably including not just outward suffering, not just persecution, things like that, but also uh, the, the spiritual experiences that we have been through and are going through the, the, the difficulties, the suffering that we have faced. And he, he, he is clearly here talking about daily experiences, saying that you began your, your walk by faith, but now you must continue it day by day, all the way to the end by faith. Otherwise, you're no longer standing upon Christ as the foundation. Think about if, if you were involved in constructing a, a building, a, a tall building. Right at, at the beginning, the foundation for that building is laid. But it's that same foundation you're going to build upon the entire time. You're never going to move to a different foundation. From beginning to end, the Christian life is by grace through faith. That never changes. Uh, you can think of it this way, that the, the gospel is every bit as much for believers as it is for unbelievers, even after 30 years, perhaps, of knowing Christ. 
You know, as one commentator put it, there is no such thing as performance-based Christianity. Having begun by faith, we must continue by faith. Because justification, this doctrine, is a doctrine that is for the entire Christian life from start to finish. Justification is for you if you have never known Christ. You need that standing before Christ. You must have it. Otherwise, you will be judged for your sin. And you will have no standing before Christ. And you will go into eternity not knowing Him. Justification is for the unbeliever. But justification is for you if you're having a difficult time believing. Uh, If you live in doubt and you struggle with doubts, what do we look to? We look to Christ. Justification, He's the one that we stand before by faith. Uh, And we need to come to Him by faith and, and therefore dispel the doubts, use the means that He has given to us. Justification is for you if you become discouraged along the way. If you begin to look at yourself more and more, you know what it's like? Uh, Maybe you are doing okay, uh, but all of a sudden you're becoming more and more discouraged day after day and feeling down and even depressed. And and you ask, why? What, What was the change? What has happened? There are a number of reasons that can come into play, but a central one uh, is that I've begun to look to myself more and more. And I've, I've come to the realization that I am not worthy, that I am not good, the truth. But the truth is, you don't need to do that for yourself. That Christ has already done that upon the cross. And so what you need to do is to look to Him to trust in Him and to continue forward day after day, uh, taking joy in what He has done, what He has given, and therefore what you today possess and will never lose. That is the good news. Uh, You know, we never go from being lost and needy sinners while we're here upon this earth. We continue to be sinful and therefore needy We never get to that point where we no longer need Christ as our sustenance. Uh, We need Him yesterday, we needed Him today, and we will need Him tomorrow until the Lord takes us home. It is by faith alone that you are saved and will be saved in our beings. Let me say a word of prayer for us. Father, in your goodness and and grace, uh, you have shown us again and again that we need only to look to you. We need only to trust in you. Yet in our own flesh, and all of us here struggle with this, that we we continually fall back upon what we have done. We we stand upon uh, what has already been done, the capabilities we have today, our ability, and we, we compare ourselves with others Uh, and we play those games. Lord, help us. Help us to see ourselves as we truly are. But I pray also, Lord, that we wouldn't stop there. Help us to see you for who you truly are. Uh, And therefore, to have eyes that are open daily, 
uh, that see that Christ has already done it all. That we need only to look to Him. Help us to, to do that, to live that way, to encourage one another to live in that way as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.